you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sarah Addison's here on American Family Radio. I am Will, and I'll have Mickey on momentarily. (laughs) A lot going on. There's a lot going on when you're doing a, a live show. But, um... Today we have two great guests um, planned for the show, and let me just let me just work while I uh, while I do this. What if I switch headphones? Will that matter? Let's try it now. Let's do that. Okay. Go ahead. Let's try it now. All right. Do we have my microphone? Yes, okay. Do. There we go. Yay. Yes. Yay. I bet you know there are moments like this that I think the Lord just wants to remind you that it's good for you to hear my voice. <laughs> Because I think sometimes you, you can get kind see, of a little bit comfortable with just the problem yeah, she is talks. you're changing it up. You're in studio. I am in studio. So you add another a little link. That to is the, true uh, to the chain. That is true. But uh, we got it. Um, are we you calling it. me a ball and chain? No, see, I'm sorry. I just I did, I hear certain things I and I don't know that. how to. Is that I I heard chain, and I just automatically went. I didn't <laughs> look, know. Look. I didn't. Is that what you? Well, you put no? another iron in the fire. How about that? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but right. but all women know, give us a second and we'll find a way to kind of like, are you saying? There There is always, are you saying? Y'all need to okay. stop that. Um, thanks so much for listening to the show today. <laughs> uh, Sherry B and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. And boy, we do have two guests joining us today. And it's really neat how this all works out because joining us in the next segment will be Scott Phillips, mm-hmm. who is executive director of Passages Israel. Uh, which is an organization that sends hundreds of college students to Israel every year to learn more about the Jewish people and the culture. And uh, we wanted to have him on last Thursday, which was National Holocaust Remembrance Day, but Mm -hmm. we already had a guest book for that day. Mm -hmm. And so we had to reschedule it out, and it happens to fall on today. He's going to be joining us in the next segment. But on top of all of that, there is some <laughs> current event yes. news here that um, a lot of people are talking about. It's kind of making its rounds. And I thought, um, wow, look at that, that just sort of the timing of all of that, um, that we'll have an opportunity to kind of go a little bit in depth and look at what exactly is happening in our culture yes. as we see the rise of anti-Semitism and even the confusion over how we have redefined what is called racism. Really, it is partiality. Yes. Um, we should call it that. We, we should absolutely you know, call it We that. shouldn't give in to these terms that are given to us that have their, you know, they, they derive from some, something that's not biblical. Yeah, When absolutely. we have the biblical terms. Yeah, let's use those terms. Well, why not? Like, let's use those terms. Uh, let's trust the word of God, yes. right? Amen. Um, but this was an interesting conversation um, that was had on The View Uh, And Whoopi Goldberg, as she does, she's sort of like um, the alpha female, if Mm -hmm. you will. I don't know if that makes sense. But she's sort of like the (laughs) alpha female on The View. Um, I've not seen much of The View. I've seen clips because whenever, you know, they say something crazy, then it gets spread around, you know. Right. And that's often. Yeah. And so then it becomes news stories. Right. And so that's when I get my 
view of the view. <laughs> and from what I have seen, Whoopi Goldberg is the alpha female. It seems to me Either all her the or time. Joy, one of those two. They, they both kind of like. But when they lock horns, Whoopi usually wins. Mm, yeah. Between the two of them. Yeah. At least I. You've think. watched it more than me. Okay, okay. Oh, you try to get me. Zing. Got her. Okay. Um, you're like, on this one, I don't want to win. I don't want to know more about I mean, the view than you, you do, know. Miki. Okay, that's fine. I'll let, I'll let, <clears throat> I'll let me have that. So anyways, uh, but in true Whoopi fashion, mm-hmm. she just dominates. Like she just kind of pounces on her other co-hosts and what she uses for her. Now, guys, you guys know I don't do I don't do politically correct here. So I'm just, this is, this is the way I see it. This is what I think is happening. And it's sort of like a microcosm, sort of like a, you know, little microscopic view of what's happening. Big, big picture. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg uses the fact that she is a black woman mm-hmm. and she will go in on an issue as I, I, <laughs> that's Whoopi's <laughs> voice right there. There it is. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> this is what it is. And everybody else is just sort of like, ur, ur, ur. they just like, they start, yeah. you know, to whimper in the corner. She wins because, you know, she's got all these accolades under her belt. She's a big name for the view. Um, she, I think, what is it? It's called. She's, she's got like an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony mm. and something else. And it's, there's like very few small. Yeah. Anyway, so she, I'm, I'm saying all this to build to the larger conversation that we're going to have, which ultimately is what will be the final stop for Whoopi. Mm -hmm. Like she's on a two week break to go and educate herself. They didn't say that, (laughs) but that's what they said. Mm. They didn't say that, but that's what they said. And if you're listening, by the way, let me not, let me not talk um, beyond our, our listeners because some people are like, okay, for those of us who don't watch the view, maybe and and vast majority, like like, all of our moms that are waiting in like the, you know, car pickup lane. They're like "Uh, me. Hello. And I need to hear the clip quick. Okay. Because my kids are about to get in and I don't know what Whoopi's going to say. Well, anyway, they were discussing the fact that there were some books that were being removed from, um, I want to say a school in Tennessee. And this particular book was a Holocaust-centered uh, graphic novel uh, called Mouse. Mm-hmm. And the women of The View started, you know, espousing their viewpoints on the removal of, of books, the banning of books, which, oh, and that's why I wanted to start off right off the bat in this, to- in this segment talking about this because there's so much more to say about their conversation about book bans. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's, it's not what you think it is. And I, I'm going to make my point if I have time. So they start talking about the banning of books. And they start talking about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Well, then Whoopi just kind of um, walks off the edge of the table, <laughs> Ver- verbally speaking. You know, it's like people, two friends just walking along a table. And uh, Whoopi just gets to the edge and where most friends would off. stop. She just walks off. She just walks off. Yeah. Now, the friends do try to grab her back. Mm-hmm. And this is what it sounds With like. With silence. No. no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Which really, a friend that loves you, if you're walking off the edge of the table, a friend that loves you mm-hmm. will say, no, mm-hmm. uh, wait, come here. Get, mm-hmm. get back over here. They couldn't do it because it was whoopee. Well, well Joy tried to. And yeah. The, like, and she's the only one that really attempted that is to, true. to, like, say, And then the, wait, Navarro, Navarro, I don't know her name, but I think she's the quote-unquote conservative one. Really? I'm sorry. She is? Yeah, she is. She's they all like, sound the same She's a Republican <laughs> pundit. She was over at okay. CNN. She uh, was the Republican, like. At uh, CNN. Okay. Right. I know. It, yes. All, all of right. it is very okay. telling. Well, you know. So so you're right, though. I will give you that. Um, she tried. Joy Behar did try to say no. I mean, it was pretty no. soft, but she, it was really you soft. know, she, she, 
she in said case, something. In case yeah. our listeners didn't hear the clip, we should probably play it for them so that okay. they can be outraged and then we can have a conversation <laughs> around it. Ready? Here we go. Well, also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe ethnicity. It, yeah, no, it's Jews about a different it, race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but going it's not, after it's Jews not about and, ideal and race. It's it's but these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, they're how do we have to black people see too. them as white? Men. And they, but you're missing the point. You're missing yeah. the point. The yeah. minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, because black, white, Jews, uh, Italian, everybody. Eats each other. Oh, man. It's just, um, At that point, I think she was having stuff going through her mind. Yeah, like, she realized. I think I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm dropping off the ledge. Every, oh. Yeah, that, that was the moment that she felt gravity leaving. Yeah, it's like, ooh. And she knew she was in a free fall. She felt like, what? They pushing back And so bit? she started grabbing for everything. Right. No, no, no. This is man's human. <laughs> Humanity man. Ibram X. Kendi, where are you? Um, this is not about, because it's not color, right? That's what they said. How to be oh, an anti-racist. It's always color. And so this is what happens. Mm -hmm. and, and look, and this is another example of why parents should stand against critical race theory in schools. Because look at how it incapacitated Whoopi Goldberg. See, this is what being taught critical race theory does. It incapacitates you in any type of normal conversation mm -hmm. where you can talk about what has been previously defined as racism. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. call it partiality, right? That's right? So what has been clearly previously defined as racism, <laughs> um, she can't have a conversation about this because in her mind, mm -hmm. race comes down to people's color. Right. These are two white groups. Like so, that's what she said. So, so we can't <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. we can't discuss the open fact. The thing that everyone understands is that for Nazis, this view of superiority, this mm -hmm. position of superiority was based on the purity of their so-called race. Mm -hmm. When you check to see if a person was of a pure race, it was do they have four German parent, parent and grandparents mm -hmm. on, on both sides. Mm -hmm. Right. Mom, dad. Grandmom, grand, granddad on both sides, mm -hmm. like checking for the purity of their race. <laughs> and if you didn't fall into that category, you were worthy to be exterminated. Hmm. To say nothing of the six million Jews who didn't fall into that category and who were exterminated because of their race. <laughs> like, I don't understand. But here's the thing. And, and, and I think our listeners would be able to hear this, mm -hmm. that, yes, there was some like, oh, no. Oh, whoopee, this I can't I, go yeah. with you here. However. They exist in such a normal echo chamber mm -hmm. that they don't know how to do it. No, no. They don't know how to that's, really that's not push. That's the norm. No. You know, that's not the norm for them to have no. that type of, you know, where they push back on one of their, especially her, like <laughs> pushing back on her. And I, I said, Joy, she tried. She was like, so what does it mean? Like, what was yeah. it? What yeah. is, but, but yeah. But then Whoopi, like, she, you know, bowed out. Like, yeah. that's what she does. Yeah. She gets... Her, her, she gets whoopy about it and then nobody says anything. Right, like they're just right. all, they can't handle it yeah. because they're like, it's whoopy. What are we, what are we going to say to whoopy? And then of course she's got the most, you know, points. Yeah. Right. She's got the most points. Right. right. And so then what are we going to say? Well, now she's on a two week break. 
But it'll be interesting. They put her in timeout. They put her in a timeout so that she could go and educate herself. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens at ABC because, you know, they look and I am not I am not a proponent of the cancel culture. But I do think if you are going to be consistent, you have to be consistent across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have, quote unquote, canceled people for far less <laughs> look, than it, what Whoopi said. And it's she amazing. She did apologize. Yeah, she did apologize. But she also did before she realized that this was going to be a firestorm. Mm-hmm. She pre-recorded. She was, I think it was Stephen Colbert, and I wish we had grabbed that tape, but or that clip. But she went on Stephen Colbert, and and she was saying something, if I remember correctly, like it's color. It's it's not it's not white against black. So in my mind, I've always associated that with racism. That is racism, mm. and I'm like thinking, I don't know that you've always associated that with racism, <laughs> or if it has not just been intensified because of critical race theory. Mm. However it is that you have arrived at your confusion, mm-hmm. you cannot remain there. Like yeah. there needs to be like and, and not to say this in a hurtful way, mm-hmm. because people will say, go educate yourself. And they mean it as a pejorative. Like they're right. They're, you know they're what I mean? They be, don't really mean. Right. Go edu- but she really does yeah. need to go educate herself. Well, Her comments were offensive really were. and extremely hurtful. And, and it's crazy because I saw a news clip. I think it was ABC where they were talking about this. And they said, you know, she apologized. And, you know, to take a, a term from Nick Cannon. You know, instead of this cancel culture, we need to do council culture. And, you know, because she did apologize. And I'm thinking. Starting when? <laughs> I'm thinking like, Starting okay, when? that don't apply to everybody, though. Like, you no. you, you guys don't no. apply that to everyone. No, it's only for Some people, people they, like. they can apologize and they still are thrown under the bus and it don't yeah. matter. Yeah. That they're done. Exactly right. You know. Now, and, and here's the thing. I actually, I would have to say I agree with Nick Cannon. Mm-hmm. I agree if that were the that consistent application where you say, hold on a second, you know, that's really offensive. Let's have a conversation around this. Like, I think that she should invite some people on the show where she's there mm-hmm. and let's really sit down and let's have an educational moment because they, they also, in the context of this conversation, were so concerned about the miseducation of kids that books are being banned. Why are these books being banned? Why can't we have a conversation? Why can't kids learn? Why can't kids develop empathy? It's worth actually going back to watch the entire segment if you can stomach it. It's worth watching because I really believe that that conversation, though it ended up, the headline that it became was not really what they were going for. Whoopi actually effectively derailed their aim. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Their aim was to say, Parents are getting crazy taking these books out of schools. Banning everything. That's that's what the conversation was about. The conversation was, let your kids read whatever we say. Right, right. But then Whoopi went and said this, and they were like, oh, man, (laughs) now we can't get back to indoctrination. Like, now we got to (laughs) get to education (laughs) because you don't know what you're talking about. And we were aiming for indoctrination. And so anyway, which is kind of where I would like to land on a future show about the books in schools. Yeah. Um, But we'll do that later. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. And I am calling out to you for a strange exchange. I will gladly take your joy from my weakness. Give me a clean. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you allowing us to spend this hour with you as we look at the intersection of culture and our faith and how we navigate life through um, a biblical lens. Unapologetically, mm-hmm. we are doing that. We are asking the question, what does the Bible say? How do we live it? How do we apply it? Yes. Um, and how do we do that in real time 
as the culture keeps moving all around us. So mm. we appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will Nels Fred Hammond. Give me a clean heart. All right. Uh, Scott Phillips joins us now. He is executive director of Passages Israel, which is an organization that sends hundreds of college students to Israel every year to learn more about the Jewish people and culture. And uh, we originally wanted to have him on, and we still do. We still will. Relax, Scott. Just relax. <laughs> we want to talk about Holocaust Remembrance Day, which was last Thursday. We couldn't get him on last Thursday because we already had a guest schedule, but it happens that it falls on today. Um, and so we want to talk about the importance of educating people about um, the Jewish people and mm. Jewish culture. Uh, I want to talk about the importance of understanding the rise of anti-Semitism uh, in our country and how we, how we uh, provide some sort of remedy for that. Uh, but I just I did ask Scott if you wouldn't mind just kind of briefly commenting. I hate to ask guests to comment, guests on, to the comment on the view, <laughs> but if you could. Absolutely. Well, it's so good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really uh, an honor. And, you know, I, I think clearly, right, it's uh, whether Whoopi knew what she was saying, what she didn't say, uh, you didn't know what she was saying. I, I maybe I won't debate that. But, you know, clearly, uh, you know, what happened in the Holocaust against the Jewish people was racism. As you mentioned, uh, you know, Hitler uh, viewed the Jews as an inferior race, that he was of a superior race and that the Jews were of an inferior race, hence, you know, annihilating, uh, trying to annihilate the Jewish people. So, you know, um, so whether whether Whoopi knew or not, uh, whether she was educated or not, or whatever it was, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a it's a broader symptom of, of people just not knowing, um, not knowing enough about anti-Semitism, not mm -hmm. knowing enough about Jewish history and the Jewish people. And, um, you know, I think that can happen, you know, to a lot of people. Well, I think that this is a perfect opportunity and a perfect segue even for us today, um, just for you to have the opportunity, Scott, to kind of give us a starting point. You know, when we talk about learning about the Jewish people and even learning about the suffering of the Jewish people, um, where, where would one begin? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think I think it's just understanding um, as Christians here, right? Um, uh, you know, those listening to are probably mostly Christians, I yeah. would say. And so yeah. there's this real, you know, natural bridge for us as Christians to look at the Jewish people and to understand Jewish history because, you know, uh, Jews and Christians share a, a, a big bulk of the same book, mm -hmm. you know, the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament as, as we Christians know it. And there's a natural bridge there of understanding for us to, you know, to, to understand Jewish history uh, from its from its beginnings, you know, in the in the Bible, um, you know, and then follow that history throughout time. And, and, you know, if you follow that history, you realize that anti-Semitism has been been around for thousands of years. Yes. And it certainly hasn't stopped even today, even after the Holocaust. And we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. So I think it's just, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, doing their doing their homework, so to speak, and and really digging into anti-Semitism uh, and, you know, uh, and 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 its role today in the world. You know, one of the connections that I've made, even as we've talked to our children about um, the Jewish people and not only Jewish customs, but also persecution of Jewish people, I think one of the things that's been easy for our kids to see is that man, these people must be special to the Lord God, like that you can trust the historicity of the Bible when you see even in current day, modern day events, you see this unfolding of sort of this um, this hatred for this group of people. And I think it just, it forces you 
to ask the spiritually rich question, why? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, I think that there are, there, there's, there's probably, uh, you know, a lot of reasons, you know, that people could give to anti-Semitism, but, you know, as Christians, obviously, you know, I think that, you know, one of the reasons very well could be that, uh, you know, the world or the secular system many times, uh, has a hatred toward the things of God, right? Mm. Uh, Or there's sort of this disdain. Um, and the Jewish people, uh, brought morality, this Judeo, uh, you know, Judaic sort of Judeo-Christian morality and values into the world uh, through the Bible and this knowledge of God, the God of Israel, the God of the universe. And so it seems to me there's some kind of connection there, right? That, that um, you know, that there's this, there's this, there's this hatred, there's this disdain mm-hmm. toward the Jewish people. And that very well could be one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. How significant is it for college students to travel to Israel and to to be educated, what do we see? Like, what is sort of the um, the trade off or the benefit when we have a younger generation being more educated or receiving a greater education into the history of the Jewish people and their culture and customs? Well, yeah, it's uh, that's a great question, and and that's something we do at passages. We've taken over eight thousand Christian college students to Israel over the last five years, and really, you know, with with two big goals in mind. One is to connect them to the roots of their faith, to the place where it was born, the spiritual heritage that they have as Christians. And of course, once you do that, you realize, oh, wow, our spiritual heritage is tied to the Jewish people because they wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe with the exception of Luke, um, you know, the authors, and that's debatable, right? The authors of the Bible were Jewish. And so when students go to Israel, they connect with the roots of their faith. You know, it's hard to you know, it's hard to uh, to miss that that uh, this took place in in the Jewish homeland, in the mm-hmm. place that God gave you know to Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people. So, so they connect with their roots, but automatically there's a tie to the modern Jewish people in the Jewish state uh, that you know that was that was created in 1948, the modern version. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for them to be able to meet the people that live there, not just Jews, but also um, uh, Arabs, Palestinians, um, you know, Muslims, Christians, all those you know the the other people groups that live there. So uh, it really creates, I think, a bond um, with the people who live there. And when they come back, they're able to, to, to see, I think, the Jewish people in a, in a different light um, because they've, you know, uh, been in Israel firsthand and they've been exposed to these, these, you know, these things firsthand. When we talk about the rise of anti-Semitism in this country, I think that sometimes it gets on people's radar when you have like these huge um, headline stories, you know, um, like we had recently where you've got uh, a Jewish synagogue that is kind of under siege, if you will. And and then you see that kind of like um, obscured in the media that there's kind of like an unwillingness or a hesitancy, a hesitancy to even talk about what is really going on. I think that's something that kind of brings anti-Semitism kind of to the fore and people are talking about it. Uh, but in other ways, are we seeing a rise in anti-Semitism that we may not be aware of. Yeah, I, I do. I think since, you know, uh, 2018 really was a big marker for this rise in anti-Semitism. You had a synagogue shooting in California uh, near San, in San Diego. You had a synagogue shooting in uh, Pittsburgh 
right? The Tree of Life Synagogue. You've had many, many, many events uh, where there's been swastikas or people that are visibly Jewish, outwardly Jewish, wearing a kippah or something like that, um, be assaulted because they're Jewish. And then, of course, this most recent synagogue uh, hostage situation here in our backyard in Texas down the road. And so you definitely see this rise um, in anti-Semitism happening in the past few years. So how does education create advocates? And, and advocacy is kind of an interesting word now because um, everywhere we look around, there is the call or the, the, the request for advocates, for people to stand up and, and to take a greater stance, I guess. Um, how do, what does this look like when we talk about people standing with um, the Jewish people? What does advocacy look like? That's great. That's a great question. I, I, I think, you know, it does start with education, right? And in, in a lot of our churches um, today, uh, this is not a topic that necessarily comes up often. Um, you know, any kind of talk about the modern Jewish people, you know, maybe there's mention of the Israelites, you know, the biblical term for the Jewish people. But when it comes to the modern Jewish people or modern Israel, a lot of times, you know, uh, for whatever reason, it's not really talked about in most churches. And so there's this, this sort of vacuum, this lack of education when it comes to understanding the Jewish people, the importance of the Jewish people to Christians, and the importance of a strong relationships between Jews and Christians. And so number one is education. It is that foundation for advocacy to, to really just dig into the history of the Jewish people and research, you know, in modern, you know, modern recent history. Um, you know, what is anti-Semitism? What, what are these things that have been happening? Um, and really understanding the full history. And I think number two after education is, is developing relationships, um, you know, uh, uh, based on shared values, unconditional relationships where there's respect both ways, um, you know, just developing relationships with, you know, those in the local Jewish community, reaching out and building those friendships. Uh, so many of our students, when they come on trips to Israel, a lot of them haven't met a Jewish person, mm. right, depending on where they live. And I think the third person, the third, you know, way that we as Christians, I think, can you know, to, to be involved in this is to stand up. When something happens uh, like the synagogue hostage situation or shootings or whatever it may be, show up, uh, express support to the Jewish community, say you're not alone. We're here with you. Mm, so good. How can our listeners learn more about Passages Israel? Maybe if uh, there are some college students who are listening or maybe the parents of college students who would be interested in having their, their young people take a trip to Israel and be more involved and learn a little bit more how can they connect with your organization? Yes, absolutely. Um, we do have scholarships available, you know, um, for students to be able to go to Israel because obviously, you know, the trip can be five, six thousand dollars without a scholarship. So you can go to passagesisrael.org and uh, there's there's a way to sign up for our interest list, um, you know, to get an application. If 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 there's a student listening or a parent or a grandparent or whoever, uh, that's where you go. Passagesisrael.org. Scott, thank you so much. I appreciate the work that your organization is doing. And thank you so much for carving out time today to help us make sense of what's going on and even to provoke the body of Christ. Because I think that for us as Christians, and, and by the way, I'm once we kind of let you go here, I'm going to turn back to the word of God because that becomes our anchor yeah. and our straight edge. But I just want to say, Scott, thank you so much for taking time out today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. God bless All you. Right. God bless you. you too. So, so Romans chapter 11, I was thinking about this as mm -hmm. our brother Scott was talking and, yeah. and I was thinking about like, how do we make a case for why we need to care 
about Israel and yeah. why we need to care about the Jewish people and what's going on with them now. And I think it's the same case. Like, I don't think we're going to make sort of like a new and um, different case than what Paul made. And it's very similar right. to what our brother Scott was just suggesting here. We understand that our history comes out of Jewish history. Like, yeah. like understanding what God did for us through these people that he preserved to bring the Messiah through them. This yeah. is significant. And the Apostle Paul makes the same case to the Romans. I was mm. thinking of Romans chapter 11. And if we have time, I wanted to read a little bit of it mm -hmm. because it's kind of a, it's like a, it kind of asks the question, okay, so what about Israel? So, mm. so what about the Jews, right? So here is Paul. He's got this ministry to the Gentiles and he's preaching to them, but lest the Gentiles be puffed up thinking like, okay, yeah, it's us. Like <laughs> right, he's like, hold right. up just a second here, right? And so, <clears throat> excuse me, in Romans chapter 11, I'm going to start at verse um, 13 here. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order to some, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Hmm. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Hmm. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others mm. and now share in the nourishing root of the olive, olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. <laughs> do you see what I mean when I say yeah. we can't say it better than Paul? Like, I mean, we could, we could try, but we can't, you know what I mean? <laughs> so do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Mm. Verse 19. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. Mm. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Verse 23. And, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. Mm. For God has the power to graft them in again. <laughs> this is powerful, to yeah. graft them in again. Verse 24. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Mm. Listen, there is no way wow. for us to be detached when we hear these kinds of stories, yeah. when we read history, when we understand the suffering of God's people. There should not be this feeling that we have where we're conflicted. I think sometimes people are like, well, I don't really know. I mean, because didn't they reject the Messiah? Yes, yes. But there was an opportunity for them to accept the Messiah. Graft it back in. Come on. Man, and, and so the Bible does not leave any question for us <laughs> there, right? Right. So really, we need to be a prayerful people. Mm. We need to be praying for Israel. We need to be praying for Jews. We need to be praying that they will come to faith. Right. There's where the promises. Yeah. Yeah. Through them, the Messiah came. The Lord kept this group of people to bring the Savior of the world through yeah. them. And guess what? I mean, believe it or not. 
God is not done with them. Amen. God is not done with Israel. Amen. So we need to care. We need to have these conversations. When we hear things like what Whoopi Goldberg said, we need to be outraged. We need to be like, man, come on. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens with Whoopi. I'll, I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. Keep talking about it. See if the education works. What do works. you expect? I mean, she'll be back. She'll be back in a couple yeah. weeks. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. It's so interesting the things you learn uh, when you're actually in studio. I, wow, that's wonderful. It's, man, technology, you know, there's there's a lot of... Good and bad. It's no. good and bad. Just learned that I was pressing a button thinking that it was a cough button, um, but it was a cough button for a microphone I'm not using. So my apologies to anyone. This is live radio. You but know. still, I feel like some people are listening and they're like, I knew I was getting sick. <laughs> I could tell just the coughing coming through. I just felt it. And so anyways, I apologize to anyone who gets Epsilon. Um, just, Epsilon. Okay. Sorry. I'm just because they got to come up with another one. I'm just trying to help. Um, but from a ministry that um, educates college students and takes them on trips to Israel to another ministry that actually educates and equips and helps those who have been injured by human trafficking. We're going to mm. shift here and talk a little bit about that um, in the remaining time that we have on the show. Gene mm-hmm. Allard, Dr. Gene Allard is um, um, the director and the founder of the Samaritan Women, uh, which is a ministry that helps those who have been trafficked, human trafficked, trafficked for sex, who've been injured. And um, she started this ministry back in 2007. We're going to talk about the work that she's done also in the documentary In Plain Sight, and then also the Institute for Shelter Care, a national initiative to address the gaps in service and the quality of the service for victims who have uh, suffered sexual exploitation. Jean, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very kind. Thanks for having this topic. Yeah, you know, this is a difficult topic to talk about. And and I think especially when we uh, discuss this topic, uh, as far as the church is concerned, people don't really know how to address it because mm. it has by nature of discussion elements that make people uncomfortable, but because of that lack of comfort, so many people have been injured and continue daily in this country to be injured um, by human trafficking. So where do we begin to have this conversation? Well, you're right. We have to be willing to be incredibly uncomfortable within the church, but isn't it most important that we attend to the body of Christ first? Uh, When we see statistics like 68% of youth pastors are addicted to pornography, Mm. we've got to step into that issue and say, if we're not attending to our own, then frankly, we almost don't have any business pointing the finger outside of the walls of the church. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important, but it's a very courageous move. And I would say that there are not many churches who are ready to deal with the fact that we have a lot of these sexual sins going on within the church, mm-hmm. whether that's abortion, adultery, pornography, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and let's go back to one huge connection that you made that I think 
has to be made. And I know, Will the Great, you talk about this all the time. This is something that we cannot ignore. and We can't ignore the connection between the consumption of pornography mm. and the yeah. um, explosion of human trafficking in our country. And, you know, when you start to kind of dig into this and look at some of the numbers, even with some of these sting operations that take place, I mean, you're looking at huge numbers of people who associate, affiliate, identify uh, with the church, with the Christian church. But what you find is that there is pornography addiction that goes unchallenged, unaddressed. Um, How do we even begin to kind of crack open that nut? Well, it's a it's a tough one. I mean, I'm a person who believes that you start with leadership Mm -hmm. and it needs to be a top-down kind of thing. But we have seen over the last several decades, several leaders of faith who have had inability to govern their own behavior. Mm. You know, what's, what's interesting to me and I'm, I'm an old, um, but if you look at what has happened culturally within, let's say the last 30 to 40 generations, Okay. Yeah, we're having the a the connection is uh going in and out. Dr. Allard, let me let me just do this. Let us try to reestablish this connection with you here because again, one of those topics where it can be uncomfortable to talk about, but we need to address it because people are hurting. Um people are in desperate situations yeah. because we don't talk about this enough. So yeah. Sherry B to the rescue uh in her red cape is going to get Dr. <laughs> Allard back on. Um, But while we wait for that, I want to make sure that I include all of this information because I think it's so important for us to recognize um, just the level of authority and the insight that Dr. Allert has into the topic of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. She is not only a speaker on the topic of domestic human trafficking um, and has delivered awareness presentations in several states across the country, but she's a member of the Department of Homeland Security Blue Campaign Mm -hmm. and a graduate of the FBI Citizens Academy and a human trafficking contributor for the National Advisory Council and for the Conference on Crimes Against Women. And so when she joins us today, she's talking about this from a place of authority, from a place of experience. And I really want us to kind of be able to lean in because, again, this is one of those topics that is very uncomfortable. And let me just say this, too, before everything was kind of breaking up here, the connection between pornography addiction and pornography consumption cannot be ignored. It's really easy for us if we're willing to address this topic. That's number one, if we're willing. Mm -hmm. But if we are willing, it's easier for us to look at this as sort of like the unknown man, you know, sort of like Mm. hanging outside of the stadiums. And do you know what I mean? Going into the seedy parts of town, but we don't start right in sort of like the basement of the church or in the rooms inside of our homes where our children have access to things and we don't know what they're getting involved in. So Dr. Allard, do we have you back? Yes. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I, I, we accept full responsibility. Um, (laughs) But I do, I do want to continue on as you were kind of addressing where we start here and we look at the intersection uh, between pornography uh, consumption and how it grows. And then we find the explosion of human trafficking in our country. You know, Scripture tells us that we are supposed to choose elders and we are supposed to choose leaders in the church who are above reproach. Mm -hmm. And it's very prescriptive in terms of, you know, sobriety and marriage and um, being able to steward one's own household. And I believe that that an ethical and moral conduct is, is baked into those words. 
And so I'm a strong believer that we have to attend to the leadership within a church because they're responsible for guiding the flock. And so if the leadership has a secret, and if the leadership is leading a double life, Mm -hmm. then it's very difficult for that congregation, and particularly the fragile in the faith, to see that what we have to offer in Christ is genuine. Um, So I hold leaders to a very high account on this issue, and I think the first place for any congregation to start would be to, across its leadership, make sure that there's accountability, make sure that there's, frankly, just a recognition that we live in a world where this is ubiquitous, this is so easy, we normalize it, and that's not their fault, but it is the context in which they must minister to others. Mm. And so I think that's very important for us to just have very honest conversations, just like we're sitting around talking about within our churches, well, what's our social media strategy? Okay, what's our anti-pornography strategy? And that's recognizing that we live in a particular time and place, and we have to deal with that context. Yeah. You know, I think that there's a great opportunity for churches to offer support to families, because mm-hmm. what we find is that parents want to engage and have no equipment. Mm. They don't know what to say. They don't know what resources there are available. Right. You know, my kid locks himself in his room all night long. He's on the computer all night long. I don't know what's going on. I heard that things are happening on these, you know, gaming devices, but I don't know how to figure that out. And so that's a pretty straightforward way that churches could engage in um, the desensitization mm-hmm. of our children yeah. towards the exploitation of others. Wow. And and I find that even, you know, sins like pornography or, or watching pornography and tra- trafficking, you know, they have this hidden thing about them where because you don't see certain things or because we keep it in the dark, you know, they they tend to thrive or they tend to, to grow, you know. And so I, I think churches have to be better equipped in how to address uh, these issues. And you, and you were mentioning that a lot of people don't have the resources or know where to go. But, there you know, there are a few ministries out there, you know, that will come alongside churches even and say, hey, we can help you with Bible studies and things like that or, or just, you know, how to, to minister in these areas. But we need much, much more of that. Well, I mean, I think it starts to your point. It starts with a willingness to do that. Are we willing to yeah. have those courageous conversations and dare to say certain things at the pulpit or in the small groups that yeah, need to be said? Right. You know, the other thing that I think is really important is that we have to understand that um, media is going to play a particular role in this. Mm. And part of that role has been to create somewhat of a false narrative about mm-hmm. what this looks like. Mm. Many of us sort of lock on to the movie Taken or, mm. you know, SUV or something like right, that. And right. we sort of lock on to this idea of, well, it must look like that so that we can comfortably say, oh, well, that doesn't look like anything that could ever happen in my home or my community. But there was a, there is a case going on right now mm-hmm. with um, an individual who's, works for a major media network, and he would go online and he would basically seduce mothers into bringing their daughters to him. Yeah. And 
so all of that is happening kind of out in the open. You know, nobody notices that if a mom is taking her daughter to the airport, no big deal, right? So we don't, here's my point, is mm-hmm. that there are ways in which this is so subtle. Yeah. You know, we, we now have websites where they are bragging about the number of college students who are prostituting to pay for their college education. Wow. And they list the top 20 colleges that have the most number of sugar babies paying Mm -hmm. for their education through these escort services. Well, that's prostitution. Yeah. So that's a subtle, we have to recognize those are subtle ways that we're sort of normalizing it for children. We've got kids as young as 11 years old who are going online and they are responding to inquiries and requests from individuals. But we have to understand it doesn't jump immediately into do something grotesquely sexual. Right. Right. It starts with something like, hey, comb your hair. <laughs> hey, put put your cat in your lap. Mm-hmm. Hey, take your shirt off next time you put your cat in. Your... Right. It's a right. subtle it's a grooming to... right. process. Right. But it's still exploitation. So how do we how do we ignite the church in this area? Because it seems I don't know if the if the reason is that so many of us who are dealing with those type of things ourselves that we don't that we kind of turn away from it because we're like, oh, I can't really speak to that. But, man, this this has to be addressed within the body of Christ. And I, I agree with you from leadership. But then there's a lot of leadership who are embroiled in this stuff as well. So how do we even, you know, approach this? Well, I would love to see, and maybe it exists and I just don't know, but I would love to see a forum for pastors who are struggling with sexual sin. Hmm. Do we have to wait until it is a, you know, media frenzy and a major fall? Or could we help pastors along the way, and particularly youth pastors who frankly are dealing with these kids who are marinating in this stuff? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. I think that we could provide supports within the church mm-hmm. for people who are doing that. We have a lot of support groups within churches. Mm-hmm. We should have support groups for pornography, yeah. for recovering from adultery, yeah. you know, things like that, uh, where, yeah. where yeah. what we do in the converse is we actually normalize recovering from these situations and how you mm. come back into community in a healthy way. Yeah. So I think that's a huge role for the church that's untapped. I think Mm. one of the things that's detrimental about the church is that we get so inflamed by issues like this that we want to, we want to jump in and um, have kind of this sort of SWAT team impact Mm. on the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But here's where we're missing. We're missing the point Mm -hmm. that none of this happens overnight. Right. It's You're a, right. It's a slow, yeah. you know, it's the boiling of the frog, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. the child that has been slowly compromised over mm. years. Mm. And it's the, it's the individual who has just had one escalation of sexual titillation after another, and it just tips over into the next level. You know, what do they call it? The slippery slope of sin. And so we're, we're coming to the end. What resources do you, you guys have in a, a website where people can contact you and, and see what you offer? Um, just so our listeners would know. Sure. Our main focus is on the recovery side for okay. victims who've been exploited. And so what we're working to do is establish homes throughout the United States 
where these individuals who have been abused and wounded can find restoration and hope and a relationship with Christ. And so that's our primary focus. So we don't specifically focus on how the lay person can engage. But okay. there are resources on our website at thesamaritanwomen.org okay. where you can learn more about human trafficking and you can also avail yourself of parent resources and student resources. Okay, I'm sorry, Jean. We have to go. We have the end of the show. Thank you so much for, for that information. And we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, God bless. <laughs>